everyone and welcome to another episode of the Frats podcast. Hi everyone, it's Lucy and Christina. So today we're going to talk about uh, xenophobia and uh, like different aspects of it and how like different cases when it was an issue. And uh, also we're going to talk a bit about racism just to make sure that for example we both understand what's the difference between two terms and like if there are any cases when these terms like overlap or they're complete different things many people confuse xenophobia and racism and just to start off on a uh, clearer sheet i guess uh, we're going to define the terms so xenophobia is the dislike of or prejudice against people from other countries and racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism by an individual, community, or an institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. I think to put it in like more easier words, xenophobia is basically when you don't like a person just because they're from a different country. Xenophobia, they can be xenophobia is more like a psychological fear of a stranger if yeah. you like simplify it but it doesn't really have like anything to do with race you can be a white person and don't like another white person just because they for they are from a different country than you yeah well exactly. racism is much more about race and skin color i guess so yeah but um we decided to choose this topic and talk about it for various reason uh various reasons first of all um Xenophobia has been on the rise because of the pandemic, uh, especially xenophobia towards uh, Asian people. Um, there has been a lot of uh, physical attacks on Asian people and people of Asian descent. Um, the leaders of different countries attended a convention uh, hosted by UN. Um, it's called the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination. And leaders from 182 countries um, have talked about how there needs to be there need to be certain measures taken to eliminate xenophobia because it is on the rise right now and just like address the issue. Uh, but again, it is very complicated because it's not an easy task to eliminate eliminate xenophobia. Um, I personally had cases of xenophobia happen towards me. I think xenophobia really starts with microaggressions. Do you think you had any xenophobia-related experiences? Uh, me, personally, I don't think so. But I think, um, like, some other, uh, my s some my other siblings did because, like, we moved a lot. And, like, it's not... When you move somewhere else, it's the, like, thing that you cannot avoid like even if you wanted to because there are always people who i don't know trying to stand their ground in some way and they just think that by like being aggressive toward people who move here i mean there are some like cases when it's a reasonable thing mm. but sometimes it's just like it goes from some i don't know instinct to like stand your ground or something yeah like that. now that we're talking about siblings my sister actually experienced um, a case of this 
sort of aggression towards her just because she's from a different country. Uh, that happened in the Netherlands. Um, she was like walking along the street and I'm not sure of the entire story, but I guess uh, she gave herself out because she was speaking in English in the Netherlands or something like that. And she had a person walk up to her and scream in her face, go to your country. Which is quite shocking. I would not expect it from like a developed European <laughs> countries. But again, I guess that just proves that it can happen anywhere and to anyone. Uh, speaking of I Cyprus. Think, yeah. I think it's also a bit depends on generation because like I'm not sure. But I think like elderly people are tend more to be more aggressive toward like migrants or something mm. like that. Because... I don't know. It's too much out of their comfort zone or something like that because they see like it's only my like thoughts, mm -hmm. but like because they see how like largely the world changes re in recent times, they're trying to I don't know have some way of control over like people around them and like xenophobia is one of the ways to feel that you're in control no actually i had a few cases of not xenophobia but like i definitely got some dirty looks from young people when i was in spain for example and uh i couldn't really speak spanish i know some spanish but um just the fear of embarrassing <laughs> myself honestly holds me like so much from like saying something in spanish and when i was trying to communicate in English or like in Spanglish, I guess, I definitely got a lot of looks like, mm, why are you even here? I don't think you can necessarily call no, it I don't xenophobia. Think it, it was like an aggressive thing. It's just like people just paying attention to. I don't think that it's a, it was like out of hate or something. Maybe they were just weirded out. They were like, oh my God, what is this accent? Where <laughs> is this person even from? Girl. Girl, get back to school. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think xenophobia in Cyprus is a pretty big issue. Um, starting with the fact that we had a lot of protests recently from the refugees and yeah. migrants, that uh, they have faced a lot of difficulties, they have faced a lot of prejudice. Um, and yeah, the issue being their environment, the... Um, I guess accommodation in which the refugees were and how hard it was for them to find a job which uh, is very valid I guess like I think it is really hard for uh, immigrants and like refugees to come here uh, I personally as I said think that xenophobia starts with any kind of microaggressions as in my experience recently something happened which made me think wow like people here really need to be like more open-minded to foreigners and um i was on a bus and my friend forgot her student's id but i had one so it was like not an issue i will buy us both a ticket um i mean both tickets and i don't think anyone will have a problem with that because i have my student's id so in front of us were two girls and they were speaking greek and they didn't have their student's id but they communicated in greek that they go to school here so the driver the driver automatically believed them there was no issue and he gave them the students tickets meanwhile my friend and i we were speaking in english and the issue wasn't even that i wasn't speaking in greek to the driver 
because we didn't have like dialogue at first. I guess he just heard me speaking English to my friend because he started telling me in English that I can't buy two tickets for us with one student ID, like student tickets. Uh, and when we were like, hey, you just gave those girls the tickets, even though they didn't have the student ID, they just told you we're students in Greek. So that was not an issue, but with us it is. Uh, and I honestly believe that that was just because we were speaking in English. Can I be wrong? Yeah, probably. But do I think, was that an example of a microaggression that yeah, stems from yeah, xenophobia? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think it's like, it can be... Uh, considered as a microaggression see i believe that in most cases whenever someone doesn't like you because you're a foreigner they're not gonna come and spit in your face and say go back to your country or do anything in that sort like i think that's a very rare case i actually i was for this episode i was researching like what kind of issues were faced by migrants in some like in different countries and i found this research about polish migrants in the uk and the woman who was um like creating this research was uh, basically she had uh, several interviews with the uh, polish migrants with other women in the uk and they were describing how um basically there was like uh there is an area in manchester which considered as like more popular among among like polish people where you can find a lot of them and uh they basically there was one case when um which uh, one person described that she was talking in polish or like had a accent when she was speaking english on the street mm -hmm. And there was some like guy or something who came up to her and uh, just like started yelling at her and uh, hitting her because of her like because of like the physically he yeah hit her. because that's so messed because up. of the language she was speaking and like basically the issue with the Polish migrants in the UK was that um, in the Wait a second. In 2004, I think, uh, basically eight new countries joined the EU. It was um, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Slovenia, and Hungary. And a lot of... Uh, and uh, the EU basically uh, um, gave uh, these uh, nations free access to labor markets market and uh, they were allowed to like move to some other eu countries and like stuff like that and in the beginning they thought that it was like a <coughs> profitable thing because they were able to get the, like add new labor to some yeah bigger labor supply yeah but also the population of polish uh Polish people in the UK increased by by more than four hundred thousand in seven years. Mm -hmm. So, and also it happened during the period of uh, economical crisis in two thousand eight, mm -hmm. and because of that many migrants, it caused uh, big issues with the unemployment and labor shortages for the natives. 
and it start it like began to create this aggressive um image for polish migrants and uh, the uk natives started to like be more aggressive towards them and also the way the media and the politi- political like discourses showed the migrants as an issue during the campaign for Brexit mm-hmm. because they were like the big parts of this like i don't know support i don't know mm, like the big parts of the policy that they were discussing is how it would stop like it would give less permission for migrants and how it would solve all the issues caused by migrants and uh, after the uh, after the referendum in 2016 yeah basically it just made uh, the uk population more aggressive towards uh, polish migrants and there were like a series of um, the like hate crimes yeah not crimes but like attacks towards polish people yeah. which were based on racism and xenophobia i feel like because i was researching the reasons for xenophobia i think a large part of it um is economic because people when they struggle to find a job um you know it's hard to blame yourself and come to a conclusion that sometimes that's just how life is you know it's really hard psychologically to do so so i think people really try to find something or someone to blame to deal with the situation and a lot of the times it comes to quite radical methods and quite radical outcomes when they just decide oh it's because of the migrants and so they blame those migrants and they project all their negative emotions and their aggression onto them to make themselves like feel better about the situation yeah but also like in this particular case with uh, the uk i also feel like i i do not support the actions of the politicians and uh, of the media because they were not trying to like they exploited the situation yeah, for they, their benefit. They were not trying to like find uh, the way to like solve to solve the conflict in mm-hmm. some way. They were just okay, like we support your aggression in some way and like there is ways to show it more. And this is what I do not support because for example, the you keep it like basically got more pop- popular just because they had the anti-migration pro- policy. Yeah, let's explain what UKIP is for people that don't understand. So it's a very far right uh, party in UK government. Yeah, and it's one of the, it's like uh, the small parties. Yeah, uh, and it is also one that has been supporting Brexit. So I feel like a lot of politicians just took this whole situation uh for like their advantage because of brexit and instead of like helping people and treating this as an 
issue because people were getting harmed innocent people they were just like this is amazing we're gonna just say oh my god guys look you should continue what you're doing because they're taking away your jobs and it's all you's fault and uh we need brexit and screw exactly. european union exactly and i hate this because yes politics yes economic you know state of the markets and stuff like that but i feel like everyone should just remain humane sometimes and think about how people are actually getting harmed and their lives are and you know also if you like look uh what happened after the brexit vote basically the like this part it just it makes me i don't know so uncomfortable in some way because basically the Polish migrants, they some of them weren't able to stay in the UK anymore because of the new policies that they accepted. But also they were they could not return back back home because of the way the na- like their native their like birth country and people there like um felt towards them. Mm. And basically, they were like hated to, in the place that where they were born and at the place where they moved to, and they could not like move either way. It is also important to keep in mind when you're hating on migrants, as in this case, for example, right? Yeah. Polish migrants they come to places like UK for pretty underpaid jobs. And also, no, also at that time, Polish was experiencing other migration crisis because of the people from Middle East. Mm. When they, uh, yeah. there was like a period in 2015 where it was just a horrible time when people from Middle East were coming in like, there was tons of people and basically Polish economics and like, country at the whole could not like face such an issue and if people from the uk would like come back there it just would create more and more problems with that yeah but anyways as i was saying uh polish immigrants don't take all of your jobs like they usually aim for pretty underpaid pretty like hard jobs like uh in construction sites and stuff like that so just blaming your entire financial state and issues on a group of people is not very rational obviously yeah like there are people in uk who are british by birth whatever and they could have had that job but also it doesn't mean that they're completely stealing all of your vacancies that's just not the case but anyways uh (laughs) smooth transition (laughs) very um xenophobia coming from people is very tragic but xenophobia coming from governments is also i don't even know i don't even know if it's worse or what but i think we need to talk about it and we need to talk about it now with uh, <laughs> the okay. case of France. Yeah. So I, if you have a phone, okay? If you have any sort of social media, you should have heard about the hijab ban that is 
talked about that is happening in France. Um, if, if you haven't heard about it, then this is your chance to hear about it now, I guess. But yeah, so France has had issues with xenophobia for the longest time. I remember when I was a kid and I would tell people I am going to France, people would be like, yeah, um, don't get too surprised if someone is extremely rude to you just because you don't speak French. And I would be like, mm, okay. But um, yeah, so one of the groups that is extremely targeted in France, allegedly, is uh, the Muslim community. And uh, for example, there has been a bill that was passed by the National Assembly of France on 13th of July, 2010. And in April 2011, following this, France became the first European country to impose a ban on full-face veils in public areas. Uh, And furthermore, now, uh, a French Senate has proposed to ban girls under the age of 18 from wearing the hijab in public places and this sparked off a movement uh, on social media by the hashtag hands off my hijab and you know the more you look into it the more messed up it gets um, because i'm just i have a small question because what? i'm not that familiar with that case and mm-hmm. i'm just curious in the way how the government was like um explaining its actions okay so um when it banned the whale right uh the full face whale its explanation was that it is for safety reasons okay so if someone commits a crime you have to see their face and see this is the thing when you First, look into this, and if you really try to go into it with an open mind towards the actions of the government, it makes sense at first. But the more you go into it, the more you're like, I'm sorry, what? And I will explain to you what I mean. Okay. So, first of all, the law about uh, girls not being able to wear hijab until the age of 18, it didn't pass yet, or at least... At the time of us recording this podcast, it, it didn't pass yet. It's going for amendments. But anyways, uh, so the whale, right? I kind of understand, okay, safety reasons, right? Like, you want to see the faces of people um, because safety, what if they commit a crime? But at the same time, Right now, during COVID, I can wear sunglasses and a mask and a cap outside. And you're not really going to be able to identify my face. But that's legal. So is it contradicting? I think it is. I think it is. I can see like in some ways it is. The thing is, you can argue it like both ways, right? You can say, hey, but... You know, like if you're wearing a whale, only your um, in a hub, I think it's called properly. Only your eyes are seen. Like that's, it's really hard to identify a person's face. So like, fair enough. Can you also say that you can wear huge sunglasses and a mask and it will be extremely hard to identify your face as well? Yes, you can say that. You can argue it like 
both ways. So far, the actions of the French government, not so controversial. Okay, then we go to the part about like banning hijabs under the age of 18. Is there a side to it where I understand the actions? Okay, sort of, sort of, at first. Because in Islam, hijab is a pretty huge deal. Like if you're gonna start wearing hijab, the ideal outcome is that you continue wearing it throughout your life. Like it's a dedication. Um, are there cases of women taking their hijabs off uh, at some point in their life? Yes, but ideally it's this commitment that you do for the rest of your life. So is it plausible to be concerned about it? Yes, but at the same time, do I think that the French government is so concerned with the Muslim community and so concerned with their traditions that they took that into account? Mm, I don't think so. Um what were the reasons behind it, as I heard from the media, is that, uh, you know, they want to make sure that no one at home is forcing the girls to wear a hijab. And uh, yeah, basically to eliminate discrimination. But at the same time, isn't it like uh... it's so contradictory, you know, it's like, oh, oh, so someone can force you to wear hijab we're gonna help you we're gonna force you not to wear hijab uh. you know where this is coming from and one twitter user said something and i think that's very valid so it, uh, it goes like age to consent to sex in france is 15 but age to consent to hijab is 18 so you can choose what to do with your body in a sexual sense at 15 but you can't choose what to wear at eight, like until you're 18. Like that's bizarre to me. That doesn't really make sense. Like if the age of consent in France would be 18 and the age when you can wear hijab would be 18, that would at least be somewhat logical, you know? Right now, this just looks like a giant screw you to the Muslim community, but it gets better as we go along. <laughs> Just when I thought that it can't really, like... Um, so, basically, they are considering this amendment to the law, which would state that um, mothers that wear hijab will not be able to um, basically go with the kids on a school trip. Like, you know when you have school trips and they want a parent to go with them to kind of help out with the yeah, kids? Yeah. So if a mother volunteers to do that, but she wears a hijab, she can't do it. And this is the moment where I don't understand it at all. Like, I literally can't look from any of the sides and can't justify the actions at all. It's like, what's the issue? Like, huh? Like, you're just looking after the kids. Why does yeah. it matter if you have hijab? Like, it's not even a niqab. It's not even, like, the thing that covers your face. It's it's hijab. Like, it covers your hair. What? What's the deal? Um, so, yeah. Uh, basically, how the government, how President Emmanuel Macron um, justified his actions is that uh, they're trying to kind of like separate all the religious symbols uh, from like the 
I guess, like, general French society. Like, they don't want, like, religion to be involved. But at the same time, you're going against the freedom of religion. So I don't understand how this is supposed to be beneficial for the society. Um, They want to pass, basically, um, anti-separatism bills. And that is what they're doing, what they think they're doing. Um, They don't want uh, for any forced marriages to take place, for any virginity tests to take place. And, I mean, forced marriages, yeah, they're bad. Like, fair enough. Yeah, I agree. But I have... There is something I don't understand is the issue with virginity tests. I understand how virginity tests are bad. Like, we obviously, like, shouldn't base, like, a woman's worth and her worth when it comes to marriage on, like her whether she's a virgin or not but at the same time i don't understand why would the government get involved in that like personally what do you think um it's hard for me to find some like reasonable explanation because so far the policies like that they trying to introduce and stuff it's just so contradicting with the not only like cultural point like parts of uh, people's life but also the religion which is like it can be like a completely different matter but also i don't know it's just (laughs) i'm trying to find a reasonable like way to explain it but i just I'm going to make it harder for you. Okay? <laughs> so another thing that the French government wants to do is to ban the full body uh, burkini swimsuit. And I don't understand that at all. What's the... I just... I don't... I can't understand the issue. Okay, with the like face covering part, uh, like it makes sense, like the safety excuse and stuff, but all the other thing. Okay, can we start with the fact that some women just don't want to expose their bodies it doesn't even have to be about religion like some women don't want to wear revealing swimsuits because at the end of the day you know we all are different and we all decide what we want to do with our bodies how we want to show off or not show off our bodies and it's totally cool and if you want to wear something with more coverage you should have the right to do it. And it has absolutely nothing to do with religion. It's your personal preference. So banning a full body swimsuit, I just don't understand it. Like, how does that go together with your attempts to make the society like less religion, religious, religion involved? It's, it's weird to me. It's, it's not weird a, to me. It's not a, like right goal i think to make like i if i can see how they're trying to like i don't know fight uh, discrimination in some way but like these issues with the religion i don't think that that's what they need like it's just i don't know it's why weird to me <laughs> It, it really is. So if I would to if I was to wear a short and shorts or like short. Sh- oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
what a tongue twister. Like, I'm sorry, this is getting too hard. This is getting too heated of a discussion. Um, if I was to wear a shirt and pants to go swimming because I'm insecure about my body or because I don't want to show off my body or for whatever reason, would the French government also have an issue with that? Or is it just the bikini? Like, would that also be an issue? Like, French government, like, hit me up. Please explain this to me. Like, I have questions. I genuinely want to know. Or maybe, you know, I will go to France, like, one summer when they pass those bills and I will go swimming in short and pants and then boom, and I will get into jail or, or fine. I don't know. Like, I need to know. This is really interesting to me. But yeah, also how... um what the people are speculating and the media speculates is that whatever the government says is just the excuse. Actually, um, after the beheading of a school teacher and the killing of a female police officer in terrorist attacks, um, the government was like, okay, we need to tackle the extremists in France, extremists, terrorists, Muslims, okay, this is, like, the group we're gonna target. And I think that kind of makes sense. Like, I think that's yeah, the like... issue. But, yeah. Um, and if you think France is bad, um, I have a little surprise for you. Are you ready? We're gonna talk about the most xenophobic country in the world. <laughs> Lovely, right? South Africa. Why do you think it is considered the most xenophobic country in the world? Um... I don't know. Well, they are basically xenophobic and racist, not only towards people from like another continent and uh, people of like different race, like black, white. They have xenophobia and racism towards basically everyone, like people from the same continent, right? Like other Africans, they face xenophobia there. Um, then um, whites there, they also face xenophobia. And they have a huge number of attacks, right, on foreigners. And those attacks even result in deaths. So, um, South Africa has quite a history of violence against foreigners. Uh, xenophobic attacks left at least 62 people dead in 2008 alone. Um, and despite the March 2019 adoption of a government action to um, action plan to combat xenophobia, uh, it has it was actually done. Uh, very little was actually done to ensure that attacks by the members of the public, the police, and government officials uh, are investigated, and those who are responsible would be held um, and for those responsible to be held accountable. So uh, many people think that it's the um, South Africa's history of segregation that is the case. And I'll explain why. So they have a lot of attacks towards uh, Zimbabweans, for example, and people from the neighboring African countries. And one of the issue is that because they were so isolated by the colonizers, they never got to really bond with their neighboring countries. And now when they're like coming there, they don't see them as, you know, their own 
us like you know like their own race or something like that they feel like very isolated from each other which kind of makes sense um also the entire like segregation thing gave them a lot of i guess like bitterness and hatred towards uh i mean those who colonized them and um like the the, the kids <laughs> the grandchildren of um their colonizers uh, there was a lot of xenophobia towards white farmers there were a lot of killings and uh just like white people in general um the former president uh Thabo Beki uh said my people are not diseased by the terrible affliction of xenophobia what is happening are acts of criminality but you know it's kind of easy to say oh guys we don't really have an issue of xenophobia it's just you know criminals are going to be criminals but uh the killings are targeted at foreigners and i think that it's actually a huge issue there and i don't think the government is doing enough but with south africa i mean it's really sad i feel like the segregation really impacted them and i feel like there is a lot of like hate um it's again like the primarial like the simple explanation of xenophobia is like the fear of strangers and that's basically how it looks in their case because they were not um adapted to contact with other like countries around them and that's what uh, caused their like aggressive behavior just because they're scared in some way yeah anyways when i was researching this i was really curious on why people hate in general and uh what leads to things like xenophobia and other um forms of hate towards people like homophobia you know whatever and um peculiarly enough no one really fully knows why people hate other people and um some things i uh, i have found is that um dehumanization research suggested when people see others as less than human empathy centers in their brain deactivate and for example when people commit mass violence cruelty or hate crimes they often rationalize these actions by comparing to victims to animals. Individuals who would typically balk at murdering another person might find it easier to kill a subhuman enemy. And I think that kind of makes sense with xenophobia because it's this um, idea of otherness that when they see a foreigner, they don't think of them as their own. They don't think of them as their own kind. They kind of like separate themselves. Yeah. And that's why it's easier for them to just turn their empathy off and go and, like, hate crime them. Um, Another reason we already discussed that is just finding someone to blame for your problems. Because acknowledging that it might be your fault is just too hard sometimes psychologically for a person. And also, the um, psychological article that I read has stated that people also hate when they feel powerless. 
and rather than turning their anxiety and shame inward they may project the negativity onto an external target i think at the end of the day we all do it and we all hate on others and a lot of it is just projecting your own kind of like insecurities about yourself onto others yeah but like issues like xenophobia it's just like on a bigger scale um yeah that's what i wanted to say yeah it's something that affects and it's also something that for just like if we talk a bit about xenophobia and race racism and how they're different basically what i think um xenophobia is more based on some like of psychological issues and like hate caused by a fear and something like that while racism is more about inequality and the way like you try to um you think you're superior yeah the way you're trying to uh, show your dominance over people who are like different from you and also um the case that I was talking about about the uk there was a, a study that i found uh about um basically it was uh discussing how you can use the term of uh, racism towards uh, this issue with the polish and the and british people because like if you look like without this question you see that they're both like it's basically the same race and they're both white by but in this case racism is more <clears throat> is more focused on some like on the way polish people couldn't integra- integrate in british society like you could d- see them speaking their own language there was like a, i don't know you could see a po- uh, shops with their food national food and stuff like that and it just like showed uh, how british people were able to rationalize the, the um, issues with the migrants even though they were considered like as the same race yeah don't hate people <laughs> so then i think as always we create our small conclusion basically um how uh what we think that even though both terms of xenophobia and racism are uh can be viewed as uh, similar in some way there are still differences which uh are uh quite important to distinguish and uh, based on the cases that we discussed the xenophobia can cause uh, can be affected by political discourses and by the action of s- actions of the media which is also can create like more issues with that and um basically i think we both agree that it's something that should be uh, fought but like with the uh, respect towards others people culture and uh, 
religion in some ways and uh, just like even though it's something that is caused primarily by a fear um, I think that the aggressive part that like the um, aggression that people show towards migrants it should be like I don't know trans trans in some other way yeah guys start if making that makes art sense in, in any way start making art instead of hating on people you know like change the flow of your energy yeah anyways it was the frats podcast thank you for listening to us and uh we'll talk to you in another episode bye everyone take care